Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just speak into your life that this will be your best year yet? You probably don't believe this will be your best year yet. And the reason is simple, ladies and gentlemen. God has given us a word that will transform your life, your family, and this church. People will look at you by the end of this year, 2024, and they will say, see what God has done. Can somebody say amen to that? Now we are on day 14 of this journey that God has called us to just seek him in prayer and in fasting. The last 13 days have been life-changing for those who have been joining in prayer, uh, different people leading us in prayer, and it's just been really challenging, seeking God in prayer. And um, I, I, I say that to say, as we go into the second half of this 30-day journey, just wanted to encourage you, if you already haven't plugged into this journey, please do so. You know, there's a prayer I pray for myself every morning, that, Lord, may I not miss what you're doing in this season. May none of us miss what God is doing in this season. So please join in the prayers. We pray 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 to 7, and then we pray in the afternoon, 12 to 1 o'clock, we pray in the evenings, um, 7.30 to 8.30. Uh, all these prayers are online, but you're welcome to join in person for the evening prayers. And we do that Monday to Thursday and Saturday. And then on Friday, like we said, in the evening, we spend two hours just worshiping God. It, it, you know, it, it's the least we can do. God has given us a promise. He's going to fulfill his promise. The least we can do is honor God with our worship. So I want to encourage you, come on the Fridays. We have two more Fridays. Uh, they promise to be quite exciting by the grace of God. This Friday, um, we have a young man who has a deep heart of worship. I don't know how many of you know Falabi Noel is going to be with us this Friday. Um, so, so let's look forward to, to the, the last half of this journey. Let's press into God. Somebody must say, I will not leave you alone, God, until you bring your promises to pass. And guess what? God will do all that he has promised that he will do. Can somebody say amen to that? So the word God has given us is that it will be a year of the turnaround. He will turn things around in your life, in my life, in this church, in this nation. The question that we're asking ourselves, the question to you, the question to me is, what does this turnaround mean? When we hear the word turnaround, what does it invoke in your mind? What does the turnaround mean? It's a question we must keep asking ourselves. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a few of us who will come and share what the turnaround means to them. Even as we continue to ask ourselves the question, what does the turnaround mean for you? But let's hear the word of God again. The promise of God. Psalm 126, 
a song of degrees. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, a good and a, a warm welcome to those who are worshiping with us online um, and to the harp. Um, and uh, as Pastor said, um, there's there going to be a, a few of us who will be here um, to talk about what the turnaround means to us. And for me, um, when we heard this word and um, looking at the nature um, of the last two sermons that we've had, you know, last week, uh, last week Sunday, um, Pastor Agu preached, and the, the, the one before that was Pastor Badge. One thing was clear from the message is that we cannot be passive in this season. It requires us to be actively engaged in what God wants to do. Um, if you recall back to two weeks ago when uh, Pastor Badge was preaching, um, and one, his opening statement was, you know, the turnaround doesn't happen in isolation. Um, it's the turnaround is as a result of a process. And that in itself would take time to unpack. And that the turnaround is not an event. The turnaround is not something that would happen um, at one point in time. It's the turnaround is as a result of the process. It's something that would have involved a practice that would have involved a habit. The turnaround might happen at a, at a point in time, but leading up to that is a process, is a series of activities that we've, we've um, put in place, a series of habits that we have um, started to practice. And then last week, uh, Pastor uh, was talking about um, under the same umbrella of the, of the turnaround about the open doors. And you see from both sermons, and those are the two sermons we've had this year, um, where God is revealing what he wants to do. We've heard the word, and, and it doesn't suggest, and, or what he suggests to me is that what God wants to do, that's sorted. He just wants us to engage with him. He wants us to be part of the process. And so... It's not a thing that would just happen at one point in time. It's something that right from day one, we have to be fully engaged with. We've been through, or we are going through a, a season of praying and fasting. It was one of the points from the sermon from last week, Sunday, where, you know, there were five points. You know, if you, remember, if you can remember, you know, about open doors. First one was about knowledge. The second one was about vision. The second one was about uh, ministry and service. Um, about faith. We prayed about courageous faith in today's um, fresh fire. And the last one was about praying and fasting. And so, for me, the turnaround, reading between the lines, it's not a thing that we have to convince God to do. It's what God wants to do. And the anchor scripture, if I may, it's, you know, Jeremiah 
um, 29, uh, verses 11 to 14. The first part of it is very, you know, very common. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace, and peace um, to bring you to an expected end, to a future and a hope. And in the same breath, he goes on to say, now call on me and I will show you great and mighty things. I didn't know those two verses were next to each other. But it's a case where, as far as God is concerned, what I want to do, I, I, I'll do. But it, in, it involves our active participation in it. I'll leave you with these two thoughts. Proverbs 25 verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search it out. It is God's pre preserve to conceal things, but it is our preserve to search it out. Paul will put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner of seven the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling worthy of your calling for you have been called by God I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling Solomon would say it is our preserve as kings to search things out Paul would say live up to it live up to that life that you have been called to and the final thought I'll leave with you is this and this is a preserve of Christians. God is sovereign, and even I can screw it up. God is sovereign, and you can screw it up. Why don't you just nudge someone beside you and just tell them, God is sovereign, and even you can screw it up. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mind. See.
nothing compares to your presence. Nothing compares to your might. Nothing compares to your power. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We worship you in this moment. We say, Lord, have your way. Take your place in our hearts and do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all well. <laughs> My name is Eben, and I am going to be talking about what the turnaround means to me. And the scripture that comes to mind, obviously, is Psalm 126. And I'm going to read Psalm 126, verses 1. It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. In this verse, I really feel like God is saying he wants to do several things. He wants us to walk in his plans and in his purposes and in the dreams that he has for us. But before he does that, he wants to free us from bondage and he wants to bring us back to Zion. God wants to deliver us from every single thing that is holding us back. Every single thing that is limiting us and telling us that we cannot walk into the new things that God has for our lives. Every voice that is telling us no when God is saying yes. And there could be many mindsets and many beliefs that could be stopping you from walking into the new. And I'm going to focus on one limiting belief in, the, in these next few minutes. And the belief could be something that many of us have or have had in the past. And it's God. You haven't done it in the past. You didn't do it three years ago. You didn't do it five years ago. You didn't do it 10 years ago. So why would you do it right now? Why will you do it now? And I'm going to tell you of a story of someone in scriptures who was probably thinking the same thing. She was single, lonely, probably really tired. And she'd probably prayed several times, asked God to turn things around in her life several times, over and over again. And it just didn't look like God was going to answer that prayer. When she looked at her life, it looked barren. It looked unfruitful. And it just felt like nothing was going to change. This story of this woman is a metaphor for Israel. And God speaks to Israel suddenly in Isaiah 54. And there's a turnaround that happens. And he says to Israel, sing, barren woman, you who have never had a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who never have labored. Because more are the children of the desolate than the woman who has had a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. 
You will forget the shame of your youth and you will remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. In this scripture, God is saying to the barren woman, to barren Israel, you thought you had nothing, but I'm about to give you abundantly more than you could ever, ever imagine. And your story may not be the story of the barren woman. Maybe it's that you've been praying for the salvation of your parent, of your child, for three years, five years, ten years. And it's like, the more you pray, the less it even looks like they're drawing closer to God. And I even feel like there could be someone here, maybe in the hub, in the G-hub, or maybe in the base, or maybe online, and you have tried with relationships, and they have failed time and time again. And you're just like, is love even for me? Can I love again? Can I trust again? But I want to say to you, no matter what your story is, it doesn't matter if it looks like it's not going to happen. God is going to sort it out. God is calling us, even through Isaiah 54, to sing even before it's happened. He's calling us to celebrate even before he has done it. In Psalm 125, verses 1, it says, People who trust in the Lord are strong, like Mount Zion. Nothing can shake it. It will always be there. The turnaround is about turning back to God with faith. For God to bring us back to Zion, we must trust in him again. We must believe in him again. We must hope in him, even when it hurts. And we must trust that he is going to do it, no matter what the odds. So today, the question that I want to leave you with is, will you try to trust God again? Thank you.
Tokuta, I've um, come here today just to share a few, a few words about what the, the season means to me. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's different this time. It's very unlike all the other times that uh, a prayer and fast has been called. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it started for me just before um, the prayer and fasting season was called. I had been seeking the face of the Lord for something that I wanted. Uh, most parts of last year, uh, I would pray, I would fast intermittently, but I never received any answers. And sometime, it was sometime in December, I thought to myself, if prayer was actually the key, that I was going to lend myself and just give it my all. And I went into a place of prayer you know, to seek the face of the Lord. And something changed. It was in January when the prayer and fast was then called um, for the turnaround. And the anchor scripture, uh, Psalm 126, talks about the turnaround for the captivity of uh, Zion. And I thought, that is the cure for me. I needed to actually lend myself to this. And because I was already prepared, I went and I've been, I went into it and I've been, I've been there the whole time. But for me, two things, two takeaways so far um, that I've learned. One is this period has taught me patience. And it's not only the patience of um, the togetherness of people uh, because of the love of God. But it's actually the patience that stems from Hebrews 10.36. Where God says, for you need to have patient endurance. You know, the patience endurance. The patience where that comes from waiting for the Lord. It means to be up under difficult circumstances without compromising. So that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy the fullness of what God has promised. You know, if you think about those words, it, 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 it has three elements. It talks about instructions. It talks about the actions, what you need to do before the third thing, which is the receipt 
of the actual blessing. You know, on Thursday, Lydie led the, um, the 7.30 evening prayer. And in the end, she, she talked about a word that she received from God, where she said there was somebody that was trusting God for something. It hasn't come through. And um, God says it's, it's not about you. It is about that God says, I am sending you to be the, uh, the, uh, the salt of the earth. You know, I left that prayer session and I went back to actually study about the salt of the earth. And some of the things that I, I, I learned that night, which I thought I knew before, was to be the salt of the earth means to be Christ-like. And what does it mean to be Christ-like? It talks about being being godly, being honest. It talks about to doing good, contentment, fairness, friendliness, obedience, to be wise, to be generous, and so on and so forth. It's very, it's very endless. The second thing which I've learned is to trust God. Psalm, Psalm 37 verses 3 to 7 talks about um, a number of things. But I'm going to first focus on Psalm, on, on verse 3. In verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Again, three things. Instruction, action. And then it goes on to say, Dwell in the land and, and enjoy the, his safe pasture. It means you have to trust first and you have to do good before you can enjoy the um, the fruit, of the, uh, the fruit of the land. I will segue straight to verse, verse 7 where it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. You see, for me, I'm in a place where I'm waiting patiently. In Nigeria, where I come from, you know, when they ask you how you're doing, you see, the Yorubas will say, gentle. I'm in a place where I'm just gentle, I'm calm, and I'm just waiting on the Lord. And that's um, my word for you today. I hope it ministers to somebody. Thanks for listening. Exceedingly, abundantly, far above all you could ask.
Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Good morning, Bays. Good morning, G-Hop. Good morning to everyone joining us online. That was a very apt song that was rendered before I came up because I am a living testimony that God is able. He will fulfill every promise that he makes to you. God told me something about 13, 14, 15 years ago, and it was fulfilled this year, 2024. I just thought I'd say that. So what does a turnaround moment mean to me? I'd like to share with you, brothers and sisters. It's a God shows up moment. He just shows up like that, as if he hadn't been there before. It's a situation where you say, this can only be God. When that thing happened to me this year, January this year, it was as if I was dreaming. And that scripture in 126 says, then you laugh. You know, the laughter that I experienced is not just the laughter that the situation had changed. It was a laughter that, oh my goodness, God, you're like amazing. You're like, wow. So a turnaround situation is this can only be God. You look at everything around you. It doesn't make sense. This is God. So I want to say that a turnaround situation is about the whole counsel of God prevailing over everything else. It's a situation where all the other voices that have been speaking, it's as if God comes in and says, shh, let me speak. And he speaks into that situation. It's a time when God fulfills his promises and his plan unfolds. It's a time when what matters to you matters to God. And what I want to focus on this afternoon or this morning is that a turnaround is when your desire now converges with a plan that God has. He's always had that plan. Peter talked about a process. Yes, there's something going on in the background and now it just manifests. Very, very quickly, I'll talk about two accounts in the Bible very quickly, which you can read on your own. The first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where we see the story of Hannah. The Bible says that God had closed her womb, i.e. she couldn't conceive. And the Bible says that Hannah's rival, that is her husband's other wife, provoked her seriously, severely, and she had bitterness of soul. But then the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 119 that God remembered Hannah. Your turnaround point is when God shows up because he has remembered you. And when God remembered her, if you go further in that chapter, she said, God has given me the son I asked him, and I will give that son back to God for the whole of his life. A turnaround situation means you need to be sensitive to what God is doing. When God has changed that situation, we need to be sensitive to say, God, what am I supposed to do in this situation? Are you following me? And because in that situation, while Hannah was crying for a child, God was looking to make a new appointment. He wanted to appoint a prophet. And then the two came together. Does that make sense? And the second account is found in John chapter 9 where we find a man who was blind from birth. And Jesus was asked, what, what was this about? And Jesus said, it's nothing to do with what he or his parents had done or not done. 
It was so that the power of God would be seen in him. So he was blind from a child. Age one, he was blind. Age five, he was blind. Age 10, he was blind. Age 16, he was blind until he became a man. Why was that situation there? So that the power of God will be seen in him. That is how the power of God will be seen in your life in the base, your life in Greenwich Hub, and somebody listening online. And when it happened, the religious establishment were stressed out. Who is this man who healed on the Sabbath? And they started running up and down. And the guy said, I don't know whether this guy is a sinner. All I know is that I was blind. But now I see. When God does that turnaround in your life, there will be murmurings and opposition because God will shake an order. A way that something happened before he will overturn it. Pastor spoke about people receiving mantles. That will happen. But God is on his throne. You will say, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is that this is where I was. But God has shown up. And I declare over this nation, that as we have been praying for a revival and a harvest of souls, that there will be a multitude of people in this 2024 who will fall in love with the Jesus that you and I serve. And they will declare that once I was blind, but now I see. And as I round up, the last thing I want to say, and it's been mentioned, it was mentioned by Pastor Baj in Fresh Fire. This season of turnaround means a season of boldness. Boldness to be who God created you to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You are here, moving in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
Hallelujah. We may be seated in the base, at the hub, online. Praise God. Now, family, there are many things that the turnaround means to me when I think about my life, when I think about my family, when I think about our church, the nation, and the nations all over the world. The breaking of strongholds chains being loose, broken, God propelling me into his destiny plans for my life, seeing God's mighty signs and wonders in the church, in our church, through our church, seeing his power, salvation of souls in the United Kingdom. But if there's one thing that I feel the Lord has been speaking to me concerning all these things and concerning the turnaround is that you have to fight. I think that's the one word that I say undergirds all these things in terms of how he has been speaking to me is saying fight. And the scripture that helps me think about this is Luke chapter 18 verse 1, 1 to 8 really. It's a parable about the persistent widow, but it Verse 1 sort of encapsulates what the whole parable is about. The Bible says, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And so I thank God for this season of prayer and fasting that we are in, because we know that when we pray, when we call, he hears, he answers. And it's like the Lord has been saying to me that, look, I have given you the keys. I've won the victory for you, but you've got to lay hold of it. You cannot be passive. You cannot do as you've been doing before. And in the past, I felt like I wasn't really all that passive. But it says, no, you've got to fight for the things that I'm saying to you and I've said to you that I'm doing in your life, that I'm doing in your family, that I'm doing in your church, that I'm doing in my land. And so, as I say, I thank God for the season that we're in, praying and fasting every day. 
But I feel like he's been saying it's beyond that. When the season ends for prayer and fasting, you still got to, even though, of course, you have to start eating again and, you know, eating three square meals a day and whatnot, but you have to have a, an attitude of fighting. You can't stop praying. You can't stop petitioning me for what it is I've said I'm going to do in your life. You know, the Bible speaks of our adversary, the enemy, as our accuser, who accuses us before God day and night. And so if he is accusing us before God day and night, it means that when the 30 days are over of fasting and praying more intensely than we usually would, he's still there accusing us. And so we've got to keep fighting in prayer. And it also brings me to the other thing that I felt the Lord has been speaking to me saying is that you have to realize that there's, there's a battle going on in the spirit, whether you like it or not. In your surroundings, in the United Kingdom, it might not seem like there's a battle. In some other areas of the world, it seems like there's a battle going on. But the turnaround means I'm trying to show you that you need to be more attuned to the battle that is going on in the spirit. And that there are two sides opposite each other. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And your whole life must be for one side and one side alone. And so you've got to take your place in whatever aspect of your life. You've got to make every day count that you are living for the kingdom of light. I've shown you many things, many ways in my word, how I want you to live, the things I want to see you doing, how you will bear fruit. And it's like he's saying, don't, to me anyway, do not let the comfort of the land in which you live the relative comfort anyway, cause you to be unfruitful. And if there's anyone else who feels like the Lord might be saying this to them, anyone online, anyone at the hub, my prayer for us is that God will indeed help us to fight, to fight in the place of prayer, to fight with our whole lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Come, let's appreciate Peter, Ebon, Shebon, Funke, and uh, Femi. So, what does the turnaround mean for you? We've heard and we've been encouraged by those profound words that God has spoken. It's for us to engage his word. It's for us to rest in his word. God has spoken. It's for us to wait patiently. God has spoken. He will turn up on your behalf. Can somebody say amen to that? But what does it mean for you, ladies and gentlemen? I'd like to invite us to rise up to our feet. If there's one thing that we've heard consistently today is that God will fulfill his promise. But what he's waiting for is you and I to lay hold of that promise. And we do so in the place of prayer. He says, call upon me and I will answer you. 
I will listen to you and then bring to pass all that I have promised you. Can somebody lift up their voices? Begin to call on God. Begin to call on God. What does the turnaround mean for you, my brother and my sister? You want to cry out to God this morning? You want to say, Lord, I, I believe your word. I hear your word. But Lord God Almighty, hearken unto me. Hearken unto me. In this situation, in this situation, this is what I'm believing you, God, for. Oh, Lord God Almighty, I trust you. I trust in you. Go on, let's cry out to God. Let's cry out to God. Remember the last words we heard. You have to fight for it. You have to lay hold of God's promise. Everything God is planning for you, my brother and my sister, is for his glory. He's invested in you, my brother, my sister. Over at the hub, you want to cry out to God. Just cry out for a few minutes. Father, I hold on to your God. You know that song that says, don't give up on God because God will not give up on you. Cry out to God, somebody. You know, he sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what he's planned for you. Cry out to him so that he hears your voice today. Hear our cry, O God. Hear our cry, O God. Somebody online, you are saying, Lord, hear my voice today. This is your daughter crying out to you. This is your son crying out to you. Hear our cry, O God. Oh, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, one of the, 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 the greatest, the greatest turnaround that ever happened in the history of humanity is when God himself came down as a man. And the sole purpose of that was to turn our lives round, to turn away from the life of darkness into his marvelous light, to turn us away from the life of sin and, and, and wickedness that leads to death, to a life of hope and abundance in him. But ladies and gentlemen, for that to happen, the Bible says he visited a woman, a virgin, Luke chapter 1. The angel visited Mary and says, you are blessed because you've been chosen to be the vessel of turnaround for humanity. You've been chosen to be the person that will give birth to our Lord and Savior. You know the story, ladies and gentlemen. Mary says, this turnaround you're talking about, how is it going to happen? The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. What God has, is going to do in your life, it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can someone cry out and say, Holy Spirit, come upon me, come upon me. Spirit of the living God, come. Let your power manifest in my life. I look to you, I look to you. Let, let's cry out, cry out. I'm your servant, oh God. I'm your maidservant. I'm your son. Let it be to me according to your word. Spirit, Spirit of God, come, come. Malishe Tele Rebosoto. 
Spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, please come, 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 come. Manifest your power. Manifest your power. Go and cry out to God. Cry out to God. So the angel of God delivered his word to Mary. He says, the spirit of God will come upon you. The power of the Most High will rest upon you. Her response was, let it be unto me according to your will. Can somebody say that to God this morning? Just say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your way in my life. What you want to do, not what I want to do. Have your way. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Hallelujah. And then, just one more thing. The Bible says, as soon as she heard the word, she ran to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Because God had done a turnaround in her life as well. Once she was barren, now she was with child. But as soon as she entered Elizabeth's home, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon her. And this is what she said in verse 5. It says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord will do what he said. One translation says, you are blessed and there shall be a performance of God's word. Can you speak to yourself and say there shall be a performance? God will do what he has purposed concerning me. There shall be a performance in my life. There shall be a performance in this church. There shall be a performance of God's word. In the mighty name of Jesus. Go on, let's give God a clap offering. Give God a clap offering. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest turnaround, like I said, was God coming in the flesh to turn us away from a life of damnation into a life of hope, eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, I say to myself that the greatest 
turnaround God wants is for people, his children, his sons and his daughters, to turn back to him. That's why he came and he died. And as we continue in the service to the, the, today, it'd be a tragedy, it'd be a travesty if there's anyone here in person, online at the hub, and you haven't given your life to this God. You haven't surrendered your life to him to say, come and be my God and let your purposes be done in my life. So, like Jesus, we just want to repeat that invitation. And I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. Let's just bow our heads for a second. The reason we're confident that there will be a turnaround is because we have this relationship with God. But if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, I plead with you, I beg of you. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. The reason why he came is so that you can come back into a meaningful relationship with God our Father. And this afternoon, please don't leave this place without responding to the call of God. He wants your heart, he wants your friendship, he wants your relationship. So my brother, my sister, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, if you haven't come into a meaningful relationship with him, please do so today. Wherever you are listening online, please respond to God. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, this is the reason why I came. And I want to turn your life around for good. If you're the one God is knocking on your, the, the door of your heart, just want to say yes to God. Lord, I surrender my life to you. And if you've done so, I just want you to say this prayer, wherever you are, at the hub, here in person, online. Just say after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for ordering my steps today to hear your word. I'm grateful that you love me so much that you came and died for me so that I might come into a relationship with you. Today, I declare that you are God. I surrender myself to you. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you'll come into my heart, that you'll be my Lord and my Savior. Have your way in my life. Turn my life around. From the wayward ways that I've gone into a loving relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Now if you...